You're listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Shift into our uh, series on Acts. Uh, I am reminded of an experience I had in Nigeria. I was sent there to direct uh, a Bible college in Ikorodu, which is a suburb of Lagos, which is at that time was the capital. It's an enormous city, and very densely populated and crowded and uh, lots to learn. Uh, within six weeks, I was robbed, armed robbery. But even uh, something, something else that I just never expected uh, after about three months, my visitor's visa ran out, which is the way it's supposed to be. And by that time, you get uh, some kind of residency visa or some kind of visa that allows you to stay there and work. Well, the, the Muslim government, a primarily Muslim government, uh, behind the scenes worked so that my visa would not be issued. Uh, and... Uh, it was a surprise. They didn't kick me out of the country because that would have caused uh, a flare-up between the Christians and the Muslims. Uh, so they were, they were letting people like me stay, uh, but uh, illegal. And so I, I just want to get to the point. I was an illegal alien. <laughs> what is that? And here I am, God, I just want to worship you, and I just want to live for you, and I just want to do whatever you want to do, and I don't even know how to spell Nigeria or where it is, but I'm going, and then I'm an illegal alien. And it was kind of scary. I didn't know what that meant. Would they put me in jail? So I made my way to the American embassy after a while, and I said, look, what, what do I do? And they said, well, you'll probably just be deported in 24 or 48 hours if something starts to stir up. <clears throat> and I thought, well, I'll just stay kind of packed in my mind. And so for all those years that I was there, I always knew where my main things were. You know, they weren't spread out all over the place. I knew where the things were that I would need if I needed to get on a plane. So it always kind of hovered over me. And yet, I felt like I was right in the middle of God's will, I mean, you know, there's always that, you know, God, what are you saying? But uh, it laid a foundation that those, those years at the Bible college laid a foundation for me to be the regional coordinator uh, for, for Africa with Foursquare. There were 18 countries that we have churches. And, and I learned something very important. The Holy Spirit kept working in my life. Jesus kept speaking to me, teaching me, even though there were things that were en enormous challenges around me. And, and I, I have settled in on that as really a prophetic word for us this morning to be careful not to miss the, the wonder of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He uses us, he works in us, and he works through us. Not to miss that because of all the chaos that's going on around us that might say God's on vacation. No, he's not on vacation, and the Holy Spirit keeps working regardless. So we're continuing the series, uh, Deep Dive, in the book of Acts, and I want to do a little bit of background as we hit the last chapters of the book of Acts. 
Jesus uh, experiences resurrection. That, that was uh, prior to Acts. And then in the book of Acts chapter 1, he has his ascension. He goes up into heaven. In chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. Jesus had to leave. The Holy Spirit comes. The same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus is now in us. We continue his ministry. Uh, it's a powerful statement, and it's been occurring for um, centuries. Paul comes on the scene fairly early. Um, he was Saul in the early chapters of Acts and then became Paul. He was a leader among the Pharisees. Remember, that was the sect that had Jesus crucified. They were very legalistic. He had a great hatred for Christians, and there was violent persecution already in the early pages of Acts. Um, and he was involved in having Christians arrested and endorsed their deaths. Chapter 9, around 15 years after the resurrection of Jesus, he's on his way to Damascus to have more, that's north of Jerusalem, to have more Christians arrested. And Jesus meets him on the road. It's a powerful story, Acts chapter 9. His life is literally turned upside down. He meets the man behind the movement that he hated. He's called an apostle to the non-Jews, the Gentiles, while Peter, you remember Peter, was the apostle to the Jews. And Paul's background as a hater gives him a strong story to share throughout the Mediterranean world about the reality of Jesus and what he has done for us and the grace and what we were singing about. Oh, my. When we encounter the reality of Jesus, it changes everything. So around 10 years later, um, he starts uh, his missionary, what we call missionary journeys th throughout uh, much of the Mediterranean. It, he uh, plants churches all the way from Israel, which is in the far east of the Mediterranean, all the way into Turkey, Greece, southern Europe, and on into Rome. <laughs> and there's evidence that he made it all the way to Spain. His first uh, missionary journey, uh, a team to plant churches, uh, started in Antioch, which is today in uh, southern Turkey, just above Israel. Uh, just above uh, Libya, Libya and Syria. And he, he planted churches in Cyprus, in Turkey. And a typical summary of, of how it all worked is in Acts 14, verse 3. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, uh, central Turkey, uh, they were in Iconium, uh, speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace. I love, that's so packed, grace, message of his grace, it's free, you don't have to work, you don't have to be good enough, it's free, by enabling them to perform signs and wonders, so it's confirmation, the word and the spirit, and they made many pl disciples, planted many churches, they also ran into a lot of obstacles, there was a sorcerer who rose up against them, he was very powerful, religious people attacked them, and nevertheless, uh, we read about events like Acts uh, 14, verse 21. They preached the gospel, this time in the city of Derby, and won a large number of disciples. 
Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples, encouraging them to remain true to the faith. And then in Acts 14, 22, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. What? Wait a minute. This doesn't look like the American gospel. Where's the line about being more comfortable? Where, where's the uh, two-car garage home and two nice cars or more and the good job with benefits and all the rest? More comfort, more things, more stuff. And there's a general thought that if I pray more, uh, give more, have more faith, be better, that I'll be exempt from suffering, that I'll be exempt from hardship, that things, things will get better, life will get better. I'll just be happier. And so this hardship, this must be a mistake. I mean, maybe this is an Old Testament thing or something. Actually, no. It's right here, right in the middle of Acts, which is our book. It's our guidebook for how to do church today. Jesus rose from the dead. The Holy Spirit has come. We have spiritual blessing, but the battle rages. They even killed Jesus in only three years. And we know in Mark chapter 3, only the third chapter, they were already after him to kill him because people don't like love, apparently. I've learned for sure that there are three powers in, in the universe that war against each other and cause these hardships. There's the power of God, the love, the grace, the care that presses in upon us. There's the space that the demonic have, Satan and his minions that are completely against us, completely against us, direct attacks. Their job is to kill, to steal, and to destroy, says in John 10.10. 10. And then a third, we have a space for free will, our own freedom to choose. And, and that that responsibility is enormous, and we hmm, probably haven't done very well with that. And John sums up our own uh, freedom when he writes about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The problem with these three powers that are genuine, real powers that are working to make this planet what it is, of course, with with us is the, the fallen planet that we live in because of the terrible decisions that we as, as people have made. In the middle of all this, people blame God for all the bad stuff. And yet, what about the other two powers? Well, that's an ignorance. We need to realize that it's the demonic and our own dumb decisions that have really messed things up very badly. And so when we're talking about hardships, we're not just talking about God off on vacation. In fact, I've learned God is very involved no matter what trauma we're experiencing. He hasn't left at all, but the demonic and those direct attacks and our own free will and the things that we have brought about are very real. And so we come to the second 
missionary journey in chapters 15 to 18, and uh, he extends his, the church planting uh, into what is today uh, southern Europe and on into Greece. And there's all kinds of challenges. And then for our study today, we're in the third missionary journey, which is uh, chapters 18 to 21, and, and we'll look beyond that. This is about 30 to 35 years after the resurrection of Jesus. The third missionary journey, church planting, but also visiting many of the churches that have already been planted. And these are uh, church planting movements where churches have been started that reproduce so that the church is expanding even into uh, the southern uh, Mediterranean world and, 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 and beyond. And yet, there are hardships. That they're opposed by the legalistic Jews. Uh, there's a hearing in a court, and Paul barely gets out of there. There's riots. Uh, then, as Paul heads to Jerusalem, starting in Acts chapter 20, he's arrested for a couple of years. He escapes assassins. He's transferred from one prison to another because people are after bribes. He appeals to Caesar's court in Rome, and during the journey, still under arrest, the weather is terrible. The ship gets lost in a storm. There, there's no GPS. I don't do lost ships. You know, this, then there's a shipwreck, and somehow the, he gets to shore, either by swimming or by uh, holding onto a plank and getting washed to shore. Uh, he's, he escapes being killed as a prisoner. He's bit by a poisonous snake. I, I, I don't know. And, and it, it just goes on. And how, how did Paul deal with this? I encourage you to read the rest of the book of Acts this week and just, just drink this in. How did, how did Paul respond? Did he blame God? Did he think, okay, I must have missed God's will somewhere? Um, I, I, mu I, must, uh, I must have done something wrong. I'm there's sin in my life. Do, does he give up? Uh, does, does he have this hopelessness and, and depression? Uh, does he dig into addictions or uh, somehow escape into fantasy? Uh, more consumerism, more stuff, more media? No, he allowed the Holy Spirit to work no matter how difficult things were. And, and the Holy Spirit is faithful to him and to the people around him. People come to Jesus. Churches are planted. He writes some of the New Testament. And in those letters, you never see him crying or blaming. He, uh, he experiences prophecies. He, there's guidance. He's, he uh, encourages and is encouraged. There are healings. And even all the people on the shipwreck uh, escape uh, with their lives. They make it to shore uh, safely. And you see a trend uh, in the book of Acts. You see a kind of a cycle of ministry. They prayed. And these people prayed. I mean, the place was shaken when they prayed. They got hold of God and say, okay, God, we're in this together. We're going to do this. They prayed. And then there was the preaching of the word. That word preaching has fallen into uh, hard times, but 
sharing what Jesus has done in your life, caring about people and saying, look, this is what Jesus has done for me. Here's what he can do for you. That's what I see with preaching, sharing your story. Then comes the power to confirm the word. Oh, you've, you've had migraines. Can I, can I pray for you? Let's just see what God will do. You pray for them and the migraine is gone and you've got a believer. You've got, a, you've got the word confirmed. And we, we expect these things. Then comes the persecution, the struggle, the warfare. In fact, sometimes it just doesn't seem to get more comfortable at all. Um, and, and the warfare is real. We, we have Paul teaching about that warfare. It's not with flesh and blood, but spiritual powers. Then comes perseverance. We don't give up, but we keep on caring. We keep on loving. We're here on this planet for a reason. We're going to give our lives away. We're going to do what's right, and we're going to do it well. And then the cycle continues. We pray, and we share what Jesus has done, and there's more power, and then there's more trouble. And then there's perseverance and then prayer and this cycle. You see it in the book of Acts. Hardships come. Whether we're planting churches or getting an education or entering a career or navigating singleness or figuring out marriage and family, being part of a church, uh, going after God, entering some kind of ministry to make a difference, doing life, we are at war and hardships come. There is a raging battle. Paul was an apostle sent by God. It should have been easier for him. He should have at least had a nice Toyota's SUV. I mean, he should have had better medical benefits. When we pray, Father, your will be done, and it's funny, in some religious traditions, they pray that every Sunday. Oh my goodness, you don't pray that without your seatbelt fastened. Father, your will be done because God's after change. God's after people. God's after uh, world discipleship. He's not just sitting around wondering what to do with your time. He's got plans. And so we pray, your will be done. And I'm not afraid to pray that because he's with me all the way through. And then... We go for it, but it's not the same as the American gospel. It's not a gospel of comfort. Things don't necessarily get easier. But we are praying for the Holy Spirit to use us, and he is faithful. We wage war. The demonic realm throws everything it has against us, and we fight back with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 20, the first three verses, Paul was in Macedonia. And this is where 2 Corinthians was written because 2 Corinthians mentions that he's in Macedonia. He, he writes in chapter four, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Hardship does not indicate that there's sin in your life. Uh, the Pharisees thought it did, and so there was that lame man who was healed, and they, they said, who sinned to cause him to be lame? This man or his parents? 
And Jesus said, no, this happens so that the works of God might be displayed. And another thing, hardship does not mean that God is angry with you or that he's punishing you. We misread suffering as from God rather than from the demonic. Every spiritual leader in the Bible had hardship. Every spiritual leader in the Bible suffered, struggled. There were all kinds of problems. Jesus suffered. The fallen planet we live on will have hardship. So we're going to have to redefine discipleship. We're going to look in the book of Acts and see, okay, yep, hard times, not, not more comfort, but the Holy Spirit keeps on working in the midst of whatever's going on. And we can yield to that Holy Spirit and see things that matter happen. I'm learning a few things as I walk with Jesus through my trials, through my struggles, through my hardships. One thing I'm learning uh, as I yield to the Holy Spirit is to move, to keep moving from drained to being filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 19, Paul arrives in Ephesus, which is today in western Turkey. And he, he finds some people who had only known John's baptism. They, they didn't know Jesus' baptism. And, and, and they didn't know the Holy Spirit baptism. And so he baptized them in water. And then in verse 6, Acts 19, verse 6, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. What I notice here is that the first thing that Paul was concerned about when he met these people was that they be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not where hey, how's your home? How's your wife and kids? Are you comfortable? He first wants to know if they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we all are pretty well acquainted with the, with the drain part. The drain and the fill, oh my, we can list off the things that drain us, that exhaust us, that deplete us. Oh, you know, I'm done with that. Those kinds of things. But sometimes we're not very good at the fill. And sometimes we find ourselves filling up with work or entertainment, gaming, media, news, sports, pornography, sexuality, family, relationships, self-absorption. But we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we, we want to ask God for all that he has for us. And we're not just talking about tongues here. We're talking about a relationship with the Father. And that just changes everything. We also want to be filled daily with the Bible, meditation, contemplation, prayer, prayer walks, what, uh, prayer driving, whatever ways you can. And then during the day, a minute here and a minute there or, or more. I, I would, there was one time in my life when I was able to take lunch and just kind of be by myself and get refilled. But that, just to keep taking it in, because what comes in is what you have and what goes out. Keep taking it in. During the day, I'll ask, Holy Spirit, 
thank you for being in me. Thank you for filling me. And then during the day, what, what are you saying to me? What do you want me to do in this situation? What, what are you asking me to do? What, what is this person really dealing with? Yielding to the Holy Spirit, move from fill to drain, and also shift from passive to an active spirituality. A passive spirituality says, oh yeah, I want God's will. But what they're really saying is, God, whatever. Uh, maybe this, maybe that, I don't know. And, but they trust that somewhere in there, they'll be more comfortable. They'll be able to sit back and relax. And really, they put it all on God. God, you just do whatever you want. Passive, the hardships come, and then people feel like a victim. They, they feel like a, they got to blame. Active spirituality. And passivity just destroys. Active spirituality says, okay, God, we're, we're in this together. Let's go. We keep listening. We plan to obey. We do the best we can. While Paul was still in Ephesus in Acts 19, verse 21, just several verses later. Now, after these events, he was teaching. There were extraordinary miracles, defeating evil spirits. Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia, uh, which are in Greece today, and go to Jerusalem saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. This is not a passive spirituality. He resolved in the spirit, this is what I need to do with my life. I mean, it might be your business, it might be your neighborhood, your community, your family, but he resolved in his spirit, this is what I'm going to do. And he did that after all that he had been through. There's just not a, a passivity. Then chapter 20, starting in verse 22, and now, compelled by the Spirit, Paul says, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. God's will, Rome, hardship, all in the same package. I mean, the prophet Agabus took, took Paul's belt, tied him up with it, tied, him, tied himself up with it, and said, this is what's going to happen to you. I mean, this was a, a major prophet in that time. And Paul said, well, I, I, this is what God has called me to do. And by the way, just rushing to the end of the book is very powerful. It, it went through some really tough times. And I just ask you this morning, what is, what is God calling you to do? And, and I, I trust that you'll take an active stance. That's what courage is. That's what boldness is. Let's not, let's not do this fear thing. Let's take hold and believe. There's nothing more fun than the Holy Spirit working through you. Nothing more fun than praying for a sick person and that they, they get well. Not just surgery. I mean, they get healed. And uh, it, it, yeah, it's not, not for the soft. After um, a hearing in Jerusalem, I think it was before the Sanhedrin, uh, it did not go well for Paul. And in Acts 23, verse 11, the following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage as you have testified about me in Jerusalem so you must also testify in Rome. 
Don't you love that? It's Jesus coming and taking your hand and saying, we're in this together and we're going to go through this together and we're going to make it okay. It doesn't mean more comfortable. It just means that it's going to be good and the Holy Spirit's going to work. I love it that Jesus takes my hand. You know, sometimes we have teaching that we need to take Jesus' hand. Well, I love that, but he takes my hand. He's with me no matter how tough it is. Well, then a third thing, turn from striving to grace. I learned in my early Christian experience just to work harder, to be better. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 and 8, uh, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. It seems like we all have a, a thorn in the flesh, doesn't it? It seems like we all have something. Hardly anybody skates through life without a problem. We've always got something, some kind of thorn. I think for me, one of my big thorns has been a sense of rejection that I had as a young person. And some of that just clings on and hasn't been broken off all the way. Just a feeling when I hit hard times or what, that I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not this, I'm not that. And I noticed that even though I prayed, God, take this away, it hinders my authority, it hinders my confidence, that I still have this nagging sense of rejection. Not from any of you, you're all my best friends, but <laughs> this, this thing just, I think some of you can really relate to me. There are some thorns that we have that are just tough. God never took it all away. I'm better. I've learned a lot. For you, there are tragedies. There's heartache and stress and illnesses and irritations. And somewhere in there, you're, you're well acquainted with some of those thorns that haven't been removed. But look at the Lord's response in verses 9 and 10, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10. And the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I come through where you're not able to come through. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships. There's that word again. In persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. There was really a time in my life as a guy who wanted to serve Jesus and was happy to, to do it up front. I, 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 I felt like I had a kind of a gift of teaching and I was grateful for opportunities to give. But as I, as I moved into church ministry, it was easy for me to say that the greatest miracle on any Sunday morning was me being up there. That rejection that gnawed at me and said, you're not worthy, you're not good enough, you don't know enough, you're not good looking enough. And uh, by the way, that's all changed. <laughs> but, uh, 
grace is the Holy Spirit active. See, grace is not just a, a static. In, in the Bible, grace is that free giving. It just presses on us. The Holy Spirit keeps pressing on you what, what you need when you need it. And when we ask, God, where are you? He answers, oh, I am right here with you right now. My heart's desire is to live in the pages of the New Testament. Well, maybe there's a few pages I'd like to do without. But I want to live in the Holy Spirit work. I want to live with Jesus. I want to live with the Father. And we do that by realizing that his grace is sufficient. And I live in that. I live in that grace. I live there because I'm not. But he is. Yeah. Let's all stand. Jesus said in John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you, have, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble or tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Father, we, we thank you for your love for us as your sons and daughters. And if there's anyone here who's, who's not sure about that, go ahead and get that settled today. It's free. It's free. God, thank you for reaching out. Jesus, thank you for grabbing hold of our hand on this journey and you don't let go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for Holy Spirit, the authority, the power, the love, the joy, the peace that you work in us. And we respond with courage and a desire that you would work through us more than ever before. We have to continue the ministry of Jesus today in our business, in our home, in our work. Have your way with us. And we know that's not a passive. That's engaging you. Have your way with us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. There are Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbefoursquare.com.